Welcome to Coffee, Beans, and Booze. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Shyla. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and Drunk Shyla. It's time for Coffee and Booze. Clink! Hi, Shyla. How's it going? Good morning, Jasmine. How are you? I'm good. It's early getting everything working here, but overall, it's good. Holiday day. What more could you ask for? Are you guys, Do you guys have the day off? We do have the day off, nice. and uh, we are planning on uh, going maybe mini golfing. I'm not sure. We'll see. You see how it goes? Do you have a mini golf site in mind? I don't, actually. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I... I don't know what the holiday, if that, that mm-hmm. will make, mean that some places are closed, but we always go mini golfing on Memorial Day. That's mm-hmm. like one of our things. Um, but Noah was desperate to go when we went to the beach and we just didn't feel super comfortable doing it there. Yeah. So we figured we'd try to hit somewhere today. So how about you? Do you have anything planned? Uh, we're going to hit up the pool. Uh, but other than that, I think we're just going to try to chill a little bit. I've been doing like the forced relaxation all weekend, which I'm going to be honest, is making me just as tense as anything else. So just, I don't know. I know. I, it's the, you just it's, keep rifling through all the things that you have you should be working on or doing. I that's, do. That's what it's, usually it's, I do. I'm yeah. broken. I don't know what to say. I do know. I would be shocked if Mark and I did not finish Yellowstone today. We've been like obsessively binging. He watched the whole thing and was determined that I was going to like it too and he was absolutely right like it's totally up my alley it's exactly my type of thing and um so we started watching it and we have only two episodes left we started it a week ago so that means we've watched like 30 episodes in a week which is a little crazy pants but true so that's part of yeah. the first relaxation yeah so but you guys started that's school good. this week right you had we no, did start school no, Lucas, first day of school first day of school so yeah. tell me how did it go what was the first morning like I saw pictures but I know it was a little different yeah, so, <clears throat> excuse me, we chose um, 100% in-person um, instruction for NOAA. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just decided, like, you know, everybody's got to, like, figure out what the biggest risks are for them. And for us, it was really just deciding that NOAA needed to have in-person instruction. So, um, yeah, so mm-hmm. we, we we got ourselves moving and, and yeah. good and... and it's weird to now have be on a routine. Noah also has decided that he wants to um, he wants to walk to school. Oh, so uh, how far two is and that for from, you guys? It's not too far. It's but. only like five blocks. Like yeah. it's not bad at all. Right. So um, he actually wants to be dropped off in the mornings and then walk home, mm-hmm. uh, which is just funny. So uh, the first day of school, I went and picked him up from in front of the school. And then day three of school, we get a call from the school, mm-hmm. and I know the secretary really well, yeah. um, Michelle, and she's she's fabulous. And uh, she's like, hi, I just wanted to call and find out Noah's standing here, and he's not sure how he's supposed to go home. Aww. And I was like, okay, Noah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we just, yeah, we have to keep reminding him, like, it, you can walk home, and I gave him a, uh, him an umbrella, and I said, on the days that it's really downpouring, look for us. Like, we'll come pick you up. But, yeah, I always love the first day of school because we do our little board I made for him when he was in kindergarten. I love it. It's so cute. And you have, like, the best handwriting ever. So, like, it's, I'm always, you really do. You have beautiful handwriting. And so, so what did he fill out on his little board this year? I I have to go back for a second. You know, 
I talk about this all the time. My mom was like super crazy about my handwriting. Oh, yeah. Like I could have been a dummy and had no answers correct <laughs> on my homework. But if you couldn't read it, mm-mm, you mm-hmm. had to redo it. So um, my siblings Shell and I all have very good handwriting. There. Oh, and you all Yeah. Wow. Yeah. My brother has handwriting that looks like um, like a kindergarten teacher. It's very exact. He's military, so mm-hmm. it's very exact. Um, my sister uh, works for a big box store and she makes all the signs and posters for their store. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it's, it's a, a thing. thing. In the shell house, gotcha. yeah, wow. it's a, it, yeah, it was her, it was her, uh, her, her thing. And so mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So I'm sorry, you asked your beautiful me something. sign. So what did he, uh, what did he write? Yeah. What did he fill out today? Because it has all the oh, different yeah. blocks and it says like his teacher and his grade and stuff. But what else yes. on there? And, and what did he say? Because I, I really do love to to read all of those things. And there's a little piece of me that's jealous that the Pinterest world didn't exist when I have small children. But yeah. let's be honest, we all know with my inability to like make a decision and focus I would still be deciding in grade 13 like what that sign was going to look like and every year it would yeah, change and yeah. be a new thing so it's probably a we have our first day of school pictures of course but we don't oh, have yeah. a sign so what, yeah. what, what did so, he fill out on his sign so we always put it well it's how old you are yep and the teacher and the school and then his favorite food mm-hmm. which is tortellini oh nice I'm so, the italian me is so proud yeah i know you know mm-hmm. as an eight-year-old he has quite the refined palate mm-hmm. um his favorite color is orange which fits well in the cougar land because we're orange and black here in palmyra and then uh things he likes to do his first one was hug mommy oh how cute now you I need know. to remind him of that when he is a teenager you need to have that <laughs> actually i can't complain my kids both as teenagers so they gave me hugs but but oh how sweet he loves to hug i know mommy. And you know what I, know. I like too? Like sweet. he thinks of that as an activity. Like that's awesome. <laughs> like if I thought about I like know. hugging my puppies is my favorite activity, maybe I would be a little more chill because it is my favorite activity. I, it yeah. was sweet. I was like, okay. And then uh, I don't know. He put a couple of things. Playing Kirby Star Allies with Lucas. Mm-hmm. That's a funny story. I found $40 on the ground, like, with nobody around. Mm-hmm. And I had this horrible guilt of, like, taking money. The like, But I was like, well, it's here. And, right. like, nobody's around. And literally no cars were around. Like, it wasn't, like, whatever. You had no so leads. I came home and gave I gave each of my children $20. <laughs> that they then put together and bought Kirby Star Allies for the Switch because they had been dying for that game. So oh, uh, that's the whole Knuckle Joe thing. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my four-year-old, my Lucas, uh, likes to be Knuckle Joe. I love when he dresses so. up like Knuckle Joe. It makes me happy. It warms my heart. <laughs> I love it. He said to me yesterday, he's like, go ahead, try to punch me. It won't hurt me. It'll hurt you because I'm Knuckle Joe. And I'm like, all right, man. Yeah. Sounds like a plan, buddy. I it's, don't know. I right. love it. I can't wait to get both your kids into theater. Uh, Danelle already does a camp with us, and he's so freaking funny. Like, he always wants to be, like, my, like, when I had, like, the shadow uh, guitar, crazy air guitarists and stuff, like, he he loved it and everything else. And I can't yeah. wait to see Lucas is going to be a daredevil for me. I'm positive oh, of it. So oh, 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 yeah. I have yeah. no doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Noah has definitely like grown up a lot about like being in front of people. He got his like third grade Bible at church mm-hmm. yesterday, and actually had to go in front of everybody and like didn't give me a problem. Normally, I would have had to walk up with him. He was fine, and so it's cool to see him growing up. And, that yeah. growth is the most incredible thing to see in the elementary theater program. Just to see, you know, the kids who at first like you know are clinging to their parents and don't even want to come in the door, and then they, you know, year two, you see them being the 
the ones who are up front. And it's funny mm-hmm. because Noah's class also has a little girl that we know her parents really well as well. And she went through the same thing. The first year, she was terribly unhappy and, you know, and, and really, you know, one of those kids that if I didn't know her parents, I would have almost felt uncomfortable with how unhappy she was. But I knew it was just sort of a growth piece. And then this past year, when the, the last camp that we were able to have was so outgoing. And so, and she was in that same air guitar group. So apparently that is the key to getting <laughs> I just need to work <laughs> air guitars into every elementary show. And that will, that will be the thing. Every, so. Well, and that was part of the reason why we wanted to get Noah in your camp mm-hmm. was that his, his level of not wanting to be around people and not wanting to be called on and like that kind of stuff was to a point that it was, it was concerning. Sure. Like he, he's fine and smart and funny and, and great. And, but he just didn't ever want to put himself out there. And we're like, bud, like you got it. We got to do something. Mm-hmm. And so that was a huge motivation to getting him into your summer yeah. camp, which day one he hated and mm-hmm. I had to leave with him crying. Day but two, was okay. he was mm-hmm. kind of crying. And then by day three, he was fine. And he had, he had a blast. He loved the performance. He wanted to sing the songs in the car all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, yeah. So well, it, was, it was definitely a cool experience. From, from that, you know, between between theater camp and athletics and all of those pieces, it's amazing to see the development year over year for kids. And so I'm ready to get back to that world, but we're not, we're, we're inching our way. We're not quite there. We'll, we'll do it safely along the way. But did Noah, do, do you have on your board, do you have the thing that like, what I want to be when I grow up? Was that on yeah. there? What, what does Noah yeah. want to be? Yeah, so mm-hmm. Noah wants to be, oh, he, he put two things. He wants to be a computer program, uh, I'm sorry, a, comp- a game uh, designer, like a mm-hmm. video game designer, programmer. Right. Um, and I can't remember. What, crap. What was the second thing he wanted to do? Hold on, I can find it really quickly. Of course you can. But yeah, I we mean, fi- fifteen thousand photos. <laughs> I literally looked this week. I have fifteen thousand photos in my my uh, my phone. I could go back like so many years to look at every single first day of school. And my child is a sophomore in college. So there you go. It's perfect. I know I actually paid it back up my phone because Mm -hmm. I'm like, I would be so sad if I lost all these, but it's nice to have them all in one place. And the kids like to go back and look at themselves as babies. It is. Yeah. We go back and we watch like videos of them like so young. And like, it's funny because we'll be like, Aaron's voice changed. Like it's just funny. It's it's sweet. No, I love it. Uh, The other thing he said he wanted to be as a math teacher. Oh, I love it. So, Yes. Yeah, so a, a video game uh, yeah, designer. developer, uh-huh. developer. Yep, and a and a math teacher. He's actually very very good at math. Awesome. Uh, Dad is good at math. Mm-hmm. I am not. I. Not your deal. <laughs> no, not my deal. Uh, but Dad's like seven eighty on the math portion of the SATs. Like yeah, really so ridiculous. This is good. This so is good. well, these are good yeah. things. I'm so, excited to see. So yeah. how about you? When you were a kid, did your mom ask you on the first day of school what you wanted to be? Did you have a little sign? Did she have? That wasn't a thing we did, right? No. <laughs> no. They're like, oh, school starts. Get the hell out the door. You're like, yay, freedom. Uh, my house, it was something like you heard your alarm and got on the bus, right? Like there was nobody who was up and my parents were busy with their own jobs and their own stuff. So you got yourself up and you went off and you know, and, and did your thing and pretty I, much. Oh, although my mom will tell the story of like my when we moved, I was 12 when we, we moved into our new house and I'm not a morning person. I've never been a morning person. I'm totally a night owl. In fact, like when we have events and stuff, mm-hmm. I will stay up until two, three in the morning because I know that if I if I hold something till morning, I will not do it. Mm-hmm. Like 
or not do it well enough. Like I just, I'm way better at night, way more hyper-focused, like that kind of thing. So it's nothing for me before our gala for me to be up at, at the Caring Cabin mm-hmm. until 3 a.m. Like that's just who I am. Um, and it's okay. That's just, yeah, like, I'm it's I'm fine. I'm the same but, way. I don't want to let it yeah. till morning. I'm like, nope, that's not a thing. And then the things that I do leave to morning, like even the carry out the door stuff, I may, I'll put things in the car the night before yes. because I know. But oh, yeah. I, I have to make a list and a checklist and a thing or I literally will be obsessed with the fact that I know I'm going to Jeff it up in the morning. Like there's just no land. Yeah, it just doesn't work. But my alarm would go off and my mom always showered in the morning before she went to work and my bed was on the same wall as the shower. Mm -hmm. And so she would beat on the shower wall to wake me up and I would like knock back and then just fall back to sleep. Oh my gosh. They would come in with like pots and pans. Like and here's the thing. I never missed school. Uh Like I like freakishly never missed school. In fact I missed five days of kindergarten for chicken pox. I went home twice uh, early in my sophomore year of high school uh, because I was sick and they counted that as one day. And I came to LVC in my senior year Mm -hmm. for a college visit. Those were the only days I missed in school, well, ever. Well, you probably like, liked going to school. I mean, I, there was I'm probably, a freak. That's yeah, a weird no, thing. I, I mean, <laughs> I didn't miss a lot of school either. I did. I got myself up and, and out the door and, and did all of these things and learned to be pretty independent early on. But what was funny about that is if I missed the school bus, um, my parents were like, well, then I guess you don't go to school. And I was like mortified. I was like, what? Like, so I think I missed the school bus once because I was like, yeah. this is this is not going to be a thing for me. Like, I'm going to get up. Oh, we I'm would like run down the yeah. run down the, the thing. We'd be like pounding on the door before oh, the, the bus funny. driver would get to the main road. Or like in those days, you didn't have a specific bus assignment. Like oh. and our high school was really, really far away. Now, mm-hmm. we, like at your house, you had a specific bus assignment, but um since our element or I'm sorry our high school was so far away uh there were a couple of times where I missed the bus and I'd be like mom just drive me to the middle school because right. it was like They'd pick up 10 yeah. minutes versus 20 minutes and then I could just hop on one bus and get up to the high school mm-hmm. whereas now like yeah, that's, you, you know do that. you, you, you don't get yeah <laughs> my, my dad had this song that he would sing to me uh not so much during the week because like I said my dad was away or he you know he wasn't actually getting up with me but like if I was getting up for something and it was like um dance and feet dance and feet get up in the morning on those dance and feet and I like this I hated this song like nobody's business and now of course I think it's funny and every once in a while my errands the same way I'll walk in his room and if I start like the first two syllables of that song he like freaks out on me and is like get out of the room so it's funny how uh how that get up in the morning thing not my not my deal Mark's a morning person though and there's something about being married to the morning person I'm like I love you but we have never been more alien from each other than in these moments (laughs) early in the morning None of us are morning people. Uh, Noah is becoming a little more of a morning Mm -hmm. person, but we are just not. Like we're slow, and And I'm good with it. To get up and and it's yeah. I mean, it's it's what it is. Yeah. So. So what, yeah, so what so did you ha- want to be? So did you have anything you wanted to be when you grew up? Like, even though you didn't write it on the chalkboard and it wasn't in your mom's beautiful handwriting, um, what did you have a thing that you always wanted to be growing up? So I, for a really long time, thought that I wanted to be an airline stewardess. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I was I, as 
if you've listened to these previous episodes, you know that I didn't fly on a plane until I was 19. So I had in my head what this thing was. Um, My parents had taken a trip to California that they won. um, And it's just like, I mean, it's not it's not two pop up chairs, a pop up thing and and some uh, hydro. Listen, listen. (laughs) (laughs) no, she won this like crazy uh, trip to the Coliseum to see like in living color, Guns and Roses, like this like super crazy concert. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we should have her on sometime to talk about it. Oh my gosh, that's Um, hysterical. I'm not sure that I, I mean, I'm going to spend the rest of my day thinking about Shell jamming out to like In Living Color. Like, I'm so excited. I can't. And then like a year later, she won a trip from the same radio station to to Chicago. Like, like lucky, right? I know. I know. So I I thought that I was going to be an airline stewardess. Mm -hmm. I, I remember though really struggling in high school because I, I I knew I wanted to go to college, but I was definitely, you know, my family, I'm first gen Mm -hmm. and it's not, it's certainly not a cut at all, but like, I didn't know what was out there really, right? Like I, I knew that I wanted to do something helping. And so I thought that that was elementary ed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I got into my first semester, like week three, I was like, nope, not for me. And I really struggled with that. I mean, I, you know, first gen, my dad had lost his job, um, and the, at the railroad that he had worked at for 20 plus years. And, uh, there was a lot of changes in my family unit. Um, and then, you know, the, the adjustment of college and like, you know, that was, that was a big struggle. And that's where Deanna Dodson, you know, Mm -hmm. Dr. Deanna Dodson was just, just so instrumental in my, in my schooling. And then, uh, Dr. Smedley, you know, kind of on mm-hmm. the back end of that with the classes that I took with her. And, uh, you know, I kind of developed where I wanted to be from there. But yeah, it's it's sometimes a path. And I think first gens really see uh, mm-hmm. it's a very different path for well, us. And, right? and I think as a first gen college student, too, I think you it's it's a like it's an incredible experience. I am actually serve um, on what we call Dutchman First at the college. And it's it's a mentorship program of first gens for first gens, which is super cool. And it's funny because I will often say, um, I know you're loving this experience. I know you're so thankful to be here, but are you feeling a crazy amount of pressure? And there is, there's this crazy amount of pressure to not waste one moment. So the thought that you would head on a path and maybe have courses that wind up being electives that just aren't sort of counting towards something you know, it crushes your soul a little bit because as first gen, I think you feel that incredible pride, but but pressure to not waste yeah. a single second or to, or someone's resource that helped you get there or, you know, your own resources that, that you know you're going to eventually need to, to be paying for, for loans and things. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure there, too. And I think that changing path, taking the risk to do that sometimes makes us, you know, worried, makes us makes us worried that we've oh, wasted yeah. or we, we've changed something. And changing paths is hard for, for sure. I um, my whole life, I thought I would be an attorney. I really did. I think my my parents, you know, um, even I was even like law explorers and, and my dad was a business agent for the Teamsters. And so, you know, well, that's not the same thing as an attorney. It's it's sort of taking regulations and taking things and, and helping people figure out how they could work or, for them. And and so this was sort of around me all the time. And I went to LVC um I was going to major in political science, minor in music and English, and do their pre-law track. And I really thought my whole life I was going to go off to Dickinson Law, and this was going to be a thing. And my very first semester, I really had to like stop and think about, like, was this the path that I really wanted? Or was this the path mm-hmm. just that? And it was kind of that thing that it wasn't that I thought I couldn't be good at it or something. I just knew that it was not going to be. I liked those subjects and things, but maybe that end goal of position wasn't going to be the job I actually wanted. You know, and 
and that was a yeah. big thing. And so I was able to just sort of morph that a little bit, and I majored in English and minored in political science and music, and I still did that pre-law class uh, track, which is funny because that included like economics, and I so I took micro and macro, and it took all those things, and I still use that all the time. Like I use mm. those things that I got. So it's funny how like I I might be in technology and theater education, but I use those skills of debate. I use the the economic piece of it. You know, I am pretty good in math, like so I I figure out the tip for all of my friends. You know, I needed those economics classes. You know, all of that piece. Um, yeah. But but it's a big risk to change to change paths and to go in a different direction. Um, yeah, and to kind of do it. You know, when I changed, I changed to a psychology major, mm-hmm. which meant I knew that grad school was on the horizon for me. If yeah. I didn't go to grad school, then my earning potential was even worse than you know than mm-hmm. if I did. And so. You know, trying to figure out what that looked like and and putting that together and trying to avoid GREs because I too. can't stand standardized no, testing. <laughs> no lie. So I went to Penn State for grad school because they did not require a GRE. I'm not even kidding you. We I didn't mm-hmm. even know we had that in common. I hate standardized texting. Um, it, it's just not my thing. And so it was literally number one on my, I was like, everybody else I took off my, my things. And, and thankfully it was the right program for me, but yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah, I started, uh, I actually started studying for the GREs like mm-hmm. my senior year, cause I was like, I wanted to go right away. I remember the flashcards in the summer. Yes, mm-hmm. I, remember yeah, the I had the flashcards, flash mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And then I was like, what am I doing? There are programs that don't require this, so that's what <laughs> I'm gonna do. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting, the evolution of path and, uh, you know, we, we already have the conversations with Noah that, you know, school is important and school is he his job right now is to be a student mm-hmm. and to execute that well or to I the best of his Aaron abilities. All the time. This is yeah. your job. You can have a side that's, hustle, but your primary job is going to school. Yeah, that's it. And, you know, just really painting that like you don't have to go to a four year institution, mm-hmm. uh, but you have to do something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, preparing him for those conversations because it's only 10 years away. I mean, yeah. it's not like, you know, we're not talking about like a long time from now. It's, you know, he's already halfway there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so, you know, we really do talk about that. You know, if, if that's being a plumber and whatever, mm-hmm. then he's going to go awesome, to school to right. figure that out. Like, yeah. you know, like we don't we don't put parameters on what that looks like, mm-hmm. but we want him to do something um, that gives him, you know, some well, and gives extra him those expert skills. Kind of, so if that is apprenticeship, is that yes. if that is whatever that is. And so thinking about that, that you Mark's mom used to say to, to her kids, um, you know, it does not matter to me what your job is, but I want you to have the skills to excel in it and to be the best in that. So, you know, whatever that field happens to be, it's the pride. And I want you to have pride in your work. I want you to know that you have the ability to do it and the pride and to do it to the best of your ability. And I think I always thought that was such an incredible, you know, way of of putting it on the the skill that can come and the pride that can come from hard work. And, and I always thought that was really great. So our guest today, uh, Bethany, so excited to talk with her. Um, she changed paths along the way and took the risk. It's risky and it's tough and there's tension there um, to, to do so. Yeah, and so sure. I'm really excited for our listeners to hear her path and her story. Um, changing paths is courageous. I, you know, I hold my breath because there's so much risk that comes with that. And um, yeah, so I'm excited uh, for everybody to hear Bethany's yeah. story. 
Hi, Shyla. How's it going? Hey, I'm great. I'm so excited to welcome our first guest of season two. I know. Uh, the one, the only, Bethany Mingle. So exciting. So Bethany and I go way back. Uh, Bethany has been my best friend from home, as I like to call her affectionately, uh, since we were 12, which is a long freaking time. It is a long freaking time. Well, welcome to Let's Coffee, Beats, and Booze. not be too specific. <laughs> I know. It's when we start to talk about the 80s and things and the yeah. 90s. And people start to figure out our timelines, yeah, right? For sure. Well, yeah. welcome to Coffee Beans and Booze. We truly are excited. We are on season two here, and it has been a complete delight to be able to feature wonderful women who are yeah. doing fantastic things in their career, in their communities. Um, you know, we've we go back a good bit here too because Shyla so kindly introduced us and we got to sing together for her wedding. Oh, that's true. And yeah. um, it's been a delight to hear of all your adventures, and I'm super excited to hear Shyla's many burning questions for oh. you today. Yes, I was thinking about this uh, all to day. share with our yeah. clinkers. So, yeah. very cool. So, you want to kick us off? Yeah. Shia? So, Bethany, why don't you give us a little like, who are you? What are you up to? What What are the What are the big things to highlight? Because there's so much about you that's what's your sitch? Like, yeah. I like to say, what's yeah, your yeah. sitch? Yeah, I call it having a weird life. Um, Excellent. Welcome. But you know, Shyla and I grew up going to the same small junior high and high school. Um, and we kind of knew right away that we were going to be really close friends. And we even stayed tight all through college, despite going to different colleges. Um, and then I went away to grad school in Boston, um, thinking that uh, college was so great and I was going to get a PhD and be a college professor and just stay college forever. Um, but I eventually decided that uh, that the PhD research rat race was not for me and anyone following COVID in the news mm-hmm. <laughs> can find out how frustrating research can be and how often you have to reevaluate everything you've been working on for months. So um, I, I took a couple years. I, I taught as an adjunct at community college, um, and now I'm a physician assistant, and I work, um, live and work in Pittsburgh. Um, I've also, one of our you know, main things that helped Shiloh and I become friends was that we were active in high school marching band. Marching band, go go the arts, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And my whole family sings. And so I also still am really active. Um, And I still sing regularly. If we can ever sing again, post-COVID. We will um, sing again, post-COVID. Yes, I'm sure of it. I feel (laughs) Um, confident. It may take us time and it may take us figuring out the way, best way to do it, but I figure the, the arts has been a part of life and has survived so many things and our souls need it. So, uh, indeed. Yeah, Definitely. for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Bethany, I know we'll sing again. I don't know the next time I'll sing with a group of sure. over 100 people with a full symphony. What an incredible experience, though. And I look forward to hearing when eventually that does happen again, because it may be a while, but it, yeah. it should happen. So. Well, you were oh, so many things that like, seriously, this conversation could last so long mm-hmm. because you you're just such an amazing person. But uh, so the first thing I wanted to kind of kick this off with last season, we kind of teased a little the brother and game. Mm-hmm. So the Brethren game is that when you go to a Brethren church, right, you know people and are connected. But your family did not, weren't, weren't Brethren. But somehow along the way, I was able to play the Brethren game that included the Mingle family because this is how this works, right? So mm-hmm. Cindy Bortner, you went to college with Cindy and Steve's daughter. And your parents yes. helped their older daughter in a snowstorm. And so... The Which Mingle... we only recently found out about. Yeah. Like, Because yeah. the world is small. And so it's funny. so... I, it's like I think 
think, you know, we keep saying we're thriving in a small town. And I think in some way, the whole world is a small town, right? Yeah, like, you know, much, yeah. yeah. And and I know your mm-hmm. sister, Rachel, from LVC, yes. which is, you know, also yes. land um, and have spent. And it's so funny because for many years, I would like that would like not work in my synapse. Like I would forget all the time. I'd be like, oh, that's right, Rachel. You're, because I became so close with her when she was at school. Right. And I would forget that whole deal. Yeah, so you guys were. Yeah. yeah. So but you grew up kind of being you, you were a mingle, right? And so like you couldn't get away with shit in town. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, in, in the cove, like in the cove. Yes, you still oh, are. No. But you, like you couldn't like you were the it was the mingle family, right? Well, so talk, we talk a little about, bit about yeah. this small. I mean, town I had bit. my aunt for sixth grade. Yeah, like, <laughs> right. My aunt was my sixth grade teacher for half of the year. Right. I mean, yeah. So we talk about this. We talked about this in our first season of like how our kids are impacted by mm-hmm. by being the like the name, like, you know, having a name in town or whatever. Not Or having a parent who's very active yes, in town yes. makes it that your children can't really hide. Right. It's yes. not like it's not a boastful thing. It's just what it no, is. Right? right. So but you're on the other side of that. Like your parents were Joel no. and Doug. Mm-hmm. Like, how did you survive that growing up? Well, you know, like looking back, I, I think of it maybe as uh, like a magnified version of maybe the siblings took mag like sibling rivalry took a magnified role mm-hmm. where you know the firstborn is often like often not always but often sort of like the perfect people pleasing you know go getter ambitious child and my older sister certainly lives up to that in a lot of ways and it just makes it even harder to carve out ways that you're different right yeah. and to carve you know, out your spot if, in a town where people are already kind of looking at you with this microphone like this magnifying glass sure and it's probably not terribly different from being a preacher's kid which to some extent i am too because my dad preaches regularly <laughs> yes. um and you know where yeah the spotlight's on you so you either just and i guess my my strategy that i didn't think was a strategy at the time was if you don't do anything too terrible or too great, you can do most of what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you're trying to always be perfect and trying to be valedictorian, like you're going to spend your life totally rat racing it. Right. You and would, if you're really bad, mm-hmm. they're going to find out and you're going to lose all, you're going to lose everything. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of figure out ways to stay occupied, mostly being productive and then you also get the space to like be your own person and make your own space. Well, I think that's really interesting too because, you know, whether you're in in a small town having grown up or whether or not you were, you know, off working on a PhD that you decided, no, this isn't the path for me, you really seem to have lived your life making those decisions of what truly was best for your heart and your own well-being. And I'm sure that wasn't always easy mm-hmm. to do. Um, but it seems like a tenant of your life. Is is that something that's really important to you that you live your life on your terms? And, yeah. and, and what do you think um, drove you to that? I don't know if it's just a pathological manifestation of my middle child syndrome <laughs> or... <laughs> and is there four of you? There's four there of you, four right? Of yeah. There's mm-hmm. four of us, but there's three girls and then my brother is the baby. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't really count. Sure. He's like his own thing as the only boy. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think that, you know, I have to give my parents a lot of credit, too, that they raised us all you know, with strong family commitment and strong family values and knowing that they were always there for us, but also that, you know, we could be and do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that we were expected to go to college. We were expected to do well. We were expected, you know, to be present at family things. And 
you know, but outside of that, they did not try to influence our political beliefs. You had to be dying to not go to church. But other than that, <laughs> you, um, yeah. you, you know, we, my parents really gave us the freedom to try to be our own people, um, you know, and supported whatever it was that we really wanted to do. Um, like they didn't even try to influence like our instrument choices for mm -hmm. marching band. Like they really were very just supportive of find your own path. That's um, the secret and to parenting. I was really, really super lucky. The yeah. secret to parenting is to give them the choices you can live with. So if mm -hmm. you're like, the choice is not to be in band, but the choice yeah. is what would you like to do in band? The choice is not whether to go to church. It is what you wear to church, right? <laughs> yes. And so. Yeah, um, it's not will you do a sport, it's which sport you will do. Right. You yeah. know, which is a hard thing as a parent to mm -hmm. sometimes and then be okay with all of, of those pieces. Our friend Kara recently, Maddie was making the decision between the French horn and the cello, uh, and it broke her heart, but she knew it was the best thing to let Maddie choose. She chose the cello. Oh, yeah. Okay. She chose the cello. Okay. Um, pretty much because that French horn is a pain to carry around. So I think that was <laughs> and why. And Kara is formerly a music teacher, now right. a school administrator. So yeah, that was probably was a, a big little thing. thing. But yeah, yeah. so I, I'm, I'm really interested, Bethany, like... It's leaving your PhD program, I, I view that as a huge act of courage. Like, you don't just, like, abandon something that you would put so much of your time and energy and, and soul into, basically. Um, what, I guess, is there, like, some kind of, like, mental health lesson that you learned in all of that? Is there something that, like, you know, for our listeners' benefit, like, you were able to make that decision at some point. Like, it, it wasn't an easy decision, right? It didn't come like you were like, okay, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Um, but, like, what did you learn about yourself and your boundaries when you were making that decision and kind of, like, the, the kind of flow of all of that? Oh. Well, I mean, it was... It, uh on a huge level, it was a mental health decision. Mm -hmm. um, I, and, and my PhD program and science PhD programs are, are generally rocky. Um, but I, I first had a stony path through it because um, I was, it, it, I, I had an abusive boss who wasn't really taking it out on me, but I had to sort of switch things midstream. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I like had already kind of suffered a delay and a setback and then feeling the need to catch up on that led to, um, you know, that those feelings of inadequacy eventually turned into depression. And it took me taking a step away for a year. So basically I didn't just like walk out on it one day. My, my advisor, my second advisor, who was very supportive and wonderful said, you know, you can take a year leave of absence and just pick things up where you left off. Mm -hmm. And I did that. And he set me up with some, some teaching and things. And uh, I had to give myself the space. And honestly, going into it, the other thing is uh, biology PhDs are free. You get, you know, they pay your tuition. They give you a cost of living stipend. Um, and so when I started it, I was sort of like, if I, you know, I won't have lost anything but time if I walk away. Mm -hmm. But when you're in the midst of it and you have poured literal blood, sweat, and tears um, into this, it, it it was a whole different thing. Um, ultimately, you know, I number one realized that I wasn't sure I was ready to make the kinds of sacrifices I would have to make, and I wasn't all that interested in most of the jobs. Mm -hmm. that I would get after completing one. Um, you know, I didn't have an interest in getting into like 
business and consultancy and the cutthroat corporate race. Um, I didn't have an interest in working for pharmaceutical companies. Um, I wasn't really sure that I was ready to, with, you know, teaching intensive jobs, you still have to keep research running. Mm -hmm. So you're still writing grants for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and you have to be willing to move to where the job is, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that often can mean no matter where you want to live, the only job you can find might be in Northern Wisconsin or Palmyra or Mm -hmm. someplace that is, I'm not saying Palmyra is unattractive, but maybe not the place you would choose right. to or the place for you, you if you had like, your brother. Right. Yeah. Not everything is attractive to everyone for the same reasons. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. No. That I, and thanks for sharing that. I, I know that, you know, that's kind of that was a dominant theme of your 20s, right? Like that was who you were mm-hmm. in your 20s and like now recreating who you are and kind of becoming a different version of you. But one thing that never changed was that you have always been involved in music. And so you are a, a very mm-hmm. accomplished singer. Mm-hmm. And do you play the piano much anymore? Are you, you have a piano? I, I actually practiced piano again during COVID. Yeah. But honestly, music was one of the things that helped me make my decision. I, um, you know, I stayed active just doing music with a very good city church choir. Um, the director and I got close and she would often let me solo. And we, you know, did a fundraising recital. I went to a recital that another choir member or church member did um, at the church. And this was one of the moments where I knew that maybe I needed to leave. And I just couldn't stop crying mm-hmm. because every piece he performed on the piano was something that was in my technical wheelhouse. And mm-hmm. he put on, you know, and I'm not an excellent pianist by any stretch of the imagination. I'm, I was adequate. Um, but like every piece he, he did was something that technically I could have performed some of them I already had and it was just a beautiful program. And I was like, I spend 12 hours a day, five days a week and several hours, both days of each weekend in my lab. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't read a book for fun in three and a half to and four she's years. she's ridiculously mm-hmm. well read. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I can't. We I mean, can't I read a lot of that. trash, but I read a lot of books. Trash is important um, too. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I just, like I, I just couldn't stop crying. Like it was mm-hmm. just like the this. I was walling off this huge piece of me, you know. And when I took my leave of absence, I said to all my friends, "Like I don't care what I say to you in the next year. Don't let me go to medical school. Mm-hmm. Like right, I'm going me- to explore a lot of things. <laughs> uh-huh. Don't let me go to medical school. There's a reason I didn't do it when I was 22, and you're not allowed to let me. And that's one of the reasons that I decided to be a physician assistant because. For for two huge reasons, um, and it's the answer I give twice a week when patients ask me if I'm going to be a doctor someday. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic! It happens all I the love time. that because you're not um, you're not adequate enough just just oh, being a love. PA. Come and you know on. what's so funny oh. is that Mark and I are like dying because we love all the PAs in this area, mm-hmm. and so like I'm actually switching to his PA. I could give a crap who the doctor is in that office, yeah. to be honest, because you know, that relationship building seems to just be a little bit stronger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, so, so you know, what is the answer as you a PA, <laughs> As a PA, number one, you know, I'm doing much of the same work, not all of the same work, mm-hmm. but much of the same work for a lot less money, mm-hmm. which means that I get to see fewer patients every day and actually spend time with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually return my own phone calls. Right. Yeah. Instead of having a nurse do it for me, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, the time I spend with my patients compensates 
for many for many things and many problems, you know, for the difference in training because I'm taking the time to listen. Mm-hmm. I'm able to take the time to listen. I'm not trying to say that doctors don't want sure. to. No, I'm trying just, to say they're that it, uh, they're often not right. allowed to. Right, mm-hmm. different expectations, you know, and the, different demands, different jobs, for sure. Yeah. But the second thing is when I set out on my second career, I was clear at that point in my life that I wanted clear work-life boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe this is the second thing in the, you know, this may go back to our very first question. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I would get home at nine to start my homework. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time I would go to school. Mm-hmm. I would have an after school something. I would have a sports practice. I would go work at my family business till 9 PM, two nights a week. And then at nine, I'd come home and start mm-hmm. my homework. And I carried that through in college. I did in four years, cause I'm an, a jerk who hated myself, a BS in biology and a BA in music, mm-hmm. not a minor not a double major, but like two actual degrees. Right. Because I had enough credits. I can do this. I can be this overachiever. I can, you know, or just achiever at the, at the Bethany level. Yeah. And I was one class away in chemistry and in Spanish from a minor in either of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, those are the, like the most time consuming things you can do with your college time, right? Mm -hmm. There's labs for science classes. There's, language sessions (laughs) for language classes you have to be in an ensemble plus Mm -hmm. take two lessons for music Mm -hmm. you know they are incredibly time-consuming majors my senior year when I had all of that done and my senior recital as a class I was like oh this is what college is like for the rest of us that's why my roommates watched Laguna Beach right I had no idea right and so that was like to not have class on Tuesday and Thursday right and so that work-life balance was really about you know you really learned at that young age how much you were going to have to give up for that lifestyle Mm -hmm. that you really didn't want I, I loved just a little while ago you said all I lost was a little time. And I thought that was amazing to hear you say because people obsess so much about Mm -hmm. like, I can't change my path because I will have lost time. When the truth is, if you stayed on that path, you would have lost an entire lifetime of time not doing what you loved, which which is music and and all of the other things and Mm -hmm. and maintaining friendships and families and, and all of that stuff. So I think no, that's losing time means you're making, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's other compromises that you do have to be willing to make. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm whatever age Shiloh and I are and in my first long-term relationship, mm-hmm. you know, like, because right. yeah. <laughs> I've lived a weird life and moved everywhere. And um, so we've talked about a lot of zigging and zagging we've done in our lives. I mean, I went, I started my graduate degree at Pitt and ended at Temple and, you know, mm-hmm. we all have to make choices and decisions that are good for us. Um, so where do you see yourself kind of in the future? Like how, what, I know you're in this first long-term future, relationship. I mean, no Bethany. pressure, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I'm happy in Pittsburgh to meet Pittsburgh's the same as the college I went to where it's two hours from home. Mm-hmm. So it's close enough to make it to all the things you need to be at and far enough away to skip all the things you don't want to go to. <laughs> that sounds like familiar That's also bliss. the advantage of mm-hmm. a job in medicine. Oh, I have to work. Yes. Yeah, um, that's true. You know, Holidays, you just have a weekends. convenient build an excuse. Yeah. I never use that mom. Promise. Never. Promise. She never, <laughs> never uses lie it. about it. Never. It's never a thing. Right. So, um, you know, you, you grew up in a small town, in the small town, and your your family owned the the town department store. And Pittsburgh is very different from that, right? P- Pittsburgh is very different. Do you see yourself uh, building a family or, you know, having like keeping that future there in the big city? Or, or where do you see things going in that way? 
Oh, I have a lot of thoughts. Um, number one, Pittsburgh is, I mean, it also depends where you're at, but Pittsburgh is kind of the world's biggest small town. Mm-hmm. When my boyfriend and I started dating two summers ago, um, every date we went on, we ran into someone that we know, that, one, that at least one of us knew. We went to see a comedian and we each saw like three different people that we knew on like our fifth date. Like everywhere we went, we just, we, we saw people who knew us. Um, and that happens. I run into patients at the liquor store or at, you know, you know, I'm behind them in traffic. So it's, uh, you know, there's more anonymity, but there's not a ton. And then even, you know, being active in music. Mm-hmm. If I'm in the audience for a classical music performance in Pittsburgh, I will see people I know. Mm-hmm. Um because after after seven years of singing um absolutely people know you you know them it's it's a small world the arts field um a lot of times people think that's because it's so competitive but I actually find a lot of times it's the opposite because as artists we're so busy trying to support each other as much as we can and enjoying the same arts in the world that it does it becomes a small world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's also networking Mm -hmm. you know two years into choir I got a paid church gig for a while you know and um so it's it's the same as any other job where except much worse pay. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Um, what was your other question? Uh, so that was family, family so rearing. changing from a small town. So to family, I know you have family rearing. You have I long, don't want to have kids. Right. Um, you have strong feelings on this. And I think this is important to share. Yes, you don't. You're good. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the, when I, when I said earlier that, you know, all you lose is time. I mean, there are things that go along with that. You know, when I was, when we were in high school, you know, and planning out our lives, I thought mine would unfold like Shiloh's did, you know, Mm -hmm. meet a guy in college or grad school, get married, have some kids around 30. You know, I just, I just expected that that was the path for my life. Um, You know, and then in my twenties, I was prioritizing my career and then I was prioritizing finding the right career And then, you know, as my 30s rolled around and I was still single and I was mostly happy single, you know, I've had friends, I had a big group of single friends when I finished grad school and, you know, one by one they got married the same way all my college friends did and some of them did it by, you know, online dating like it was a job, Mm -hmm. like having a date, like every Sunday, Monday and Tuesday, they had a different (laughs) first date. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had friends who did that, and I was just like, I don't even see enough people on here that I want to go out with. <laughs> not you know, one, um, not four days a week, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, the longer, the longer you learn how to live your life single and happy, the more you realize that there's plenty of things you can do that you enjoy that you lose when you have kids. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my college roommates lives here in Pittsburgh and was in the choir before I lived here that I'm in, um, you know, and after when she, you know, got pregnant, she stopped choir because you can't spend, you know, three hours after bedtime downtown mm-hmm. every week, um, you know, and, and so it, it becomes choices, right? Sort it, of it a, I choices. can fill my life with other things. Right. Sure. And Did you find that, I, uh, you know, you're so incredibly talented and, and intelligent and like, you know, sometimes I wondered if you just finding somebody that was at a level that 
that was acceptable to you like that that means not not in like a way that you were like no like but someone I, who I'm can match jerk, wits but yeah yeah like, someone who can match you need wits somebody and keep up who with you. can like keep up with you and that mm-hmm. and that's a that's a complete compliment because mm-hmm. like you're just wicked smart um so did you find that to be a challenge like when you were de- in the dating scene of like if someone would set you up with someone and like you're like oh this is a little challenging to talk to you <laughs> I mean, do you I know mean, that? No. No, do you know I that? think that was one of, I, we don't know Latin. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's funny because I, I had Latin I mean, in high school too. So is, like we all had this in common. We have a terrible fabulous. story about Latin. Mm-hmm. We don't know Latin. No. We, we barely know yet. <laughs> <laughs> what, was, what was our teacher's name? Mrs. Maxwell? Was it Maxwell? Yes, from Greencastle. Yeah, Antrim, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so... Um, I mean, it's interesting when you get to a city, finding someone who's smart becomes less of a problem. Mm -hmm. What you, and especially when you get out at like post-college, like I, I mean, I have lots of really maladaptive theories on dating and maybe I should, maybe I should write a book and see if I can get rich, um, (laughs) from, you know, 10 years of online dating. Um, I, I, you know, I, I saw a lot through many ways and as a, a woman who has never been smaller than a size 12. Um, so, uh, you find lots of smart people, but finding smart people who also have personality mm-hmm. is different or finding smart people who aren't really, really cool becomes a problem. I went on a first date um, where, you know, the guy was teasing out my views on abortion. I went on a first date where someone told me that I'm 30 and I'm about to be infertile. I went on, people, people are cruel. Uh, and, and it is, you know, you talk about Bethany uh, being courageous. Online dating is courageous. I'm so glad I never had to go through oh, that. Like, word. it's crazy. You were, yeah. you were talking about be, being a woman who has never been smaller than a size 12. And, you know, I've been spending a fair amount of time on TikTok these days. Not that I'm proud of that, but it's become <laughs> this like new piece of my life. And um, there's this entire section of, of TikTok that's about like the mid-sized woman, that it's not about being average or small, but mm-hmm. it's this idea of being like the eight to 20 range is actually like the mid-range mm-hmm. of where most people lie in there somewhere. And it's, it's funny because we don't think about it in that way and we define ourselves so much mm-hmm. by these numbers and these things. And so you were talking about Bethany being courageous for, for changing your path before. I think you're crazy courageous for being out there in the dating world. Like it's <laughs> insane. Like, you know, kudos to you for surviving that shit. You know, and in the end I met my boyfriend. I mean, for years I have been joking that, you know, my friends are always like, oh, I met my boyfriend at, you know, kickball in the park or, you know, and I did a, a lot of them met online dating. But, you know, do things you're interested in and maybe someone will come along. Because with online dating, another of my problems is, like, when you hit one of those deal breakers, mm-hmm. like, it's just very easy to ghost. Yeah. You know, like, you can just... That's true. Yeah. I, I change their name in my phone to, like, use the L word on the third date and, like, <laughs> that I know to never text them again. Like, it just reminds me why mm-hmm. to never text them back. Um, and... Uh, you know, so like for me, that was one of the problems with online dating where when I've dated like a friend of a friend or somebody I met somewhere, at least I give them a chance mm-hmm. without just being like, mm, bye. Um, so how did you meet but, your current uh, guy? How did, how did you meet him? So we met at choir and for years I've been like, yes, but what I like to do is sing. And at choir, 
all the men are at least one, but usually two of old, married, and gay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but instead, I'm dating a guy who's more than five years younger than me, who I met at choir, who was not married or gay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. So you were against all three of the possibles. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and blissfully happy, I can I mean, say I mean, I found smile. my unicorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. And so. that's all that matters is that you find the person who compliments you. Yeah. You know, and so, you know, it's interesting when you were saying about, can you find someone as, as bright and intelligent? And you were saying yes, but not necessarily with personality. Sometimes it's about that person who has the personality that jives with yours. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's so, it's why so oftentimes we don't just say like, you're a nice person. I'm a nice person, but we're not nice for each other. Yeah. Like nobody has that kind. <laughs> Combo, right it's like you suck yeah. like, you know, kind of thing and I mean my yeah. wisdom from like mm-hmm. f- more than five years of online dating is that a lot of guys who don't settle down in college start looking to settle down around 28 mm-hmm. like that's yes. like the length of time they need and so if you're dating a guy over 30 who's never been married there is a reason like <laughs> Gotta be chapter six in your book. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're either incredible, you know, like they're, inc- you know, and I at times have been guilty of some of these, but you know, they're very selfish. They're way too career focused. They're a total player. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you might even recognize strange. some of those things sometimes. Yeah. Incredibly strange. Um, strange. Incredibly strange. <laughs> I, I had like a guy that. bring me a, a, a carnation corsage to our third date. Oh, maybe he missed his prom. I don't know. Try to live this out. Wow, it was homecoming and you didn't know it. Was he a teacher? Well, it was Valentine's Day, so that was how he chose to acknowledge it. Not a card, not like hmm. a cute little a pink wrapped chocolate bar. But oh. then he forgot his wallet, so I paid. <laughs> Classic. Well, if he's listening, um, we're still thinking about you, but not positively. Yes. Wow. He was real sweet, but he was real strange. Yeah. Oh, I'm really clueless. That's funny. Really? Yeah, well, well, speaking of strange, I can't imagine what it is like to be a physician assistant during during COVID, mm-hmm. and especially because you are so used to building relationships and spending time with people. And I think one of the interesting things, at least it seems from the outside, is that you know, as this is going on, you might not be getting to spend as much time with patients or things like this. Has this changed a little bit of what it's like to be a physician assistant, you know, on your daily basis? I mean, we can only imagine big picture, but sort of your day to day, has it been affected by all that's going on in the world? Oh, it's changed so much. Um, I mean, I, my clinic was closed for a month and I was working from home. Um, We, I went from having never done telemedicine before mm-hmm. to doing that exclusively while clinic was closed mm-hmm. from home. Mm-hmm. Um, can you hear me? And can you hear me? Am I on? Yeah. Can you, hear can me? you, hear me? Can, can you see the <laughs> back of my me? mouth? Can you see that spot? Oh uh, 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 yeah. Right. No, you mean that happens during calls? Oh, I thought you were talking. Oh well, no. And then even, <laughs> we even were being now smart asses, Sorry. <laughs> I missed the joke. Um, which is what happens when you're trying to see patients with a mask on in person right is you lose out on so much i mean first of all you can't touch people like you can't shake hands and greeting Mm -hmm. you can't i do still pat people on the shoulder but i probably shouldn't um you know you can't hug people they cry and you're like oh why do you have your mask off now i'm gonna die you know is what you're thinking in your head but in reality you're just trying not to cringe and hand them a box of tissues um you know you lose so much body language and nonverbal communication yeah. um, um, just by, you know, by having a mask on, although it's what it takes to make things safe. It's like either way you lose, you mm-hmm. know, um, you lose a huge part of that, that, um, 
body language that goes into communicating with your patients. Well, that's like such the the hard part of COVID right now is, is all of the options suck. Right. Yes. Like like none of it is is making. And that's why I think yes. when people are on one side or the other, I'm like, friends, can I remind yeah. you, you're all against a thing that sucks. It like sucks. like when you know, my four year old yeah. said mm-hmm. to me the other day, I don't have friends. I lost it. Like we I had know. like a 10 minute crying like thing. I he just wants I just, to go to school. I lost it. I was like my kid, my four year olds articulating what we all feel that like. We mm-hmm. don't have those connections and the things. Yeah. And, and he's four, right. and we should be able to fix his problems. Exactly. And we can't. Yeah. Right. You know, so, and I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, my heart breaks though. I mean, as much as like elementary school kids, this is just devastating because they don't have the ability mm-hmm. to, you know, for the high school kids, it stinks, but like they all spend half their time on their computers talking to each other anyway, let's be honest. And they've you learned know? how to relate to other people. So, like, they, yes, there's the sadness of them um, not not being able to have something they love, but they do know how to school and they do. I was talking the other day to a friend of mine who, who's a principal at an elementary school and he said, you know, for kindergarten, the first two months are just about learning to go to school. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just how to be a student. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't get how to be a student, how to make friends, right? Yeah. On the playground, how to relate to the teacher, how to forget your homework and know the world's not going to end. You learn that before your colors, right? You know, or as you're learning your colors mm-hmm. and things, and and that that is going to shape these students for a lifetime. And yeah. so it is really. Yeah, hard my thinking. nephew mm-hmm. is is six and missed the last quarter of kindergarten, mm-hmm. and you know, it, I think it's been hugely like it's hugely impacted his maturity. You mm-hmm. know, that's already, you know, energetic boys are behind girls and introverted boys at that age and for him like missing that last quarter of kindergarten right Right. around his sixth birthday I think has been really really an impact and a struggle and I mean my Mm -hmm. sister and brother-in-law who were both college graduates had trouble homeschooling a kid in kindergarten and second grade I can only imagine what everyone else is doing you know I can't even imagine and there are days that I'm like um there I've never been one to be sad that I had my children so young like I loved having them and loved every age that they were but I'm like oh my god thank god it was I had those babies so young and I don't have to have my children because I'm looking at my friends from high school who do who have a a kindergarten a fourth grader you who have you know Lucas and Noah and and what's coming next for them and it's a lot Mm -hmm. kindergartners who are going to be cyber school they've they've split up their their day so that they have like a half hour of class then they have like an hour off then they have a half yep. hour class 45 minutes off I my can't, brain can't get around that. I can't imagine nope. trying to function my nope. adult life in those blo- and being like oh now's your time to get on oh now's your time to get off oh now get back oh on that's the what telemedicine from home is oh, and it's Bethany. awful I can't imagine it's Bethany. awful well, it's like yeah. but you know it's, like, as hard yeah. as it is mm-hmm. for the little kids mm-hmm. and you know as much as my heart breaks for the high schoolers who mm-hmm. are missing out on those things that are supposed to be lifelong memories, prom and graduation, at least, you know, the junior high and high schoolers are probably already doing a lot of their socialization through technology. Mm-hmm. The group that I see both at work, because in medicine, you see a lot mm-hmm. of seniors, mm-hmm. but also in my personal life as someone who is fortunate enough to have three grandparents living who all are 90 or older, mm-hmm. is seniors are mm-hmm. incredibly isolated mm-hmm. and they're already yeah. isolated like, my, my mother-in-law has this going a on, year right? ago yeah. seniors were, were lonely yeah. the elderly you know it and and it is 
it is really, really hard for this them now. This is a tough um, life for them, for sure. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law passed away a year ago, um, and now she's on year two. And she said year two is so much harder than year one because I'm a, I'm alone. Like, I'm alone. She'll sit, like, 10 feet away from us in the backyard occasionally. But she said, you know, I'm 92 years old. I, I lived through the Depression and World Wars and Korea and, you know, all of these things and race riots and all kinds of stuff. And she's like, I'm not going to let this thing take me down. But I'm worried that loneliness, like, what if I'm fighting for every day to have it be like the world opens up in the next days when I pass away like mm-hmm. you know there, there's that fear for them and that loneliness and and I'm sure you do see mm-hmm. that and I'm sure you have patients that you love to see and talk with and check on and and this is taking a damper on that um having a damper on that relationship well and socialization is ki- critical to mm-hmm. slowing the progression of dementia right. right and if you know if your socialization and your home services and any of those are interrupted by covid mm-hmm there's research for you, for someone, not for you. There's research for someone of the effects of the, yeah, the close I'm down sure of COVID on so, dementia. Yeah, oh, I think so we are set sense. for doctoral dissertations for the next hundred years based on this. I mean, my own yeah. hopeful PhD dissertation has already been able to be modified by all of this. So, yeah. you know, yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I'm, I'm all about the ed tech and, and theater. And that's that's crazily changed in the oh, last yeah, year. And so sure. and my ability to have my own experience in it now has been hoist upon me. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, the nerd in me has just had endless fodder because um, my graduate study was in in immunology and infectious disease Mm -hmm. um you know i do have a master's degree in that from prior to pa school and i still have lots of friends who who teach in that field um in grad school i actually you know heard dr fauci talk in person several times before he was Mm -hmm. one of the biggest memes on the internet and (laughs) um You know, and then I was traveling in Asia in February mm-hmm. with with other friends of ours from high school, and um, so like we were stalking this from the beginning and deciding whether to still go and whether to change flight plans. And um, I actually connected through South Korea the day the travel advisory went to level three, oh, and had to get like screened by employee health to come back to work. And it was just wow. Um, See, there's another book you could write. Yes. So when you're famous from all of these many books, the dating books, the living, <laughs> literally living COVID life, um, you're going to have to come back on the podcast as the famous author. That the you problem is, is book writing would take these requires the skill set that I do not have, which is, you know. I suspect um, it has more to knowing that that is not the life you want to lead. Yeah. Because I think I think <laughs> she, you are really smart, smart. Yeah, uh, at saying, though, that that's not what I want to spend my time. I don't want to develop those skills. Yeah, getting to. myself to sit down to write right. is it's a mere impossibility. Most of my college papers were written after 11 p.m. Yeah, wow. Well. You can't sleep until this is done. Wasn't there, a, <laughs> wasn't there a point that your mom slept on the couch in the music room? Yeah. Because you had a paper, we had a paper for something, and you were like and I was still writing it at like 1 30 in the morning yeah. and she's like I was just worried you were gonna like have a meltdown or something and like <laughs> and I was like oh no I'm fine just go to bed like yeah. why are you still awake <laughs> uh, <laughs> but what a supportive mama this is how we do things yes well Bethany it has been such a pleasure we could talk forever but mm-hmm. we always cap our interviews with three questions that uh the mm-hmm. Jasmine will kick off here so our first question is um and since I am the coffee beans in this relationship what is your favorite coffee beverage I mean, on a daily basis, uh, I have a a wonderful friend who gifted me with a grinding brew coffee pot, mm. and I drink a 
just a fresh ground dark roast drip coffee. But if I am at Starbucks, I get a um, triple cappuccino short mm-hmm. with almond milk because you want to taste the coffee. Yes, indeed. Wonderful. Yes. And there is something about those fresh grounds. It really does. It does make, it does make all the difference uh, for so sure. True. Yeah. Definitely. So, mm-hmm. so what's your favorite alcoholic beverage, your favorite adult drink? Yes. My entree to alcoholic beverage was drinking red wine in Spain. <laughs> so that is still, you know, a a dry, not jammy red wine, like yes. a Malbec or Cabernet mm-hmm. Sauvignon, a Tempranillo. Um, vino tinto, as they would say on Espana. So, so wine is my go-to. Whiskey is my liquor. So, mm. all right, you and or maybe it's just that I turned twenty-one when W was president. So all of my <laughs> alcohol start with W from the trauma. That could be it. That could be it. I, I'm buying it for sure. So the last question that we ask. Uh, is kind of our favorite question. Uh, mm-hmm. So go ahead, Jasmine. It is. So, Bethany, what's your passion? What's my passion? That is such a hard question. It is, but it's a good one, um, right? It's a, it's a good question. It's my least favorite question. <laughs> you know, um, it's funny. You know what's funny about this is that my best friend from high school, who I'm sure hoping we convince her to uh, to dial in very soon, um, said the same thing to me. She goes, "I can't be on the podcast because I don't have a passion." And I said, "Shenanigans, lies. You do, but it's a hard question because I think as women, we're not used to walking around defining ourselves in that way. Yeah. This is my my personal brand mission of mm-hmm. passion and." Um, so yeah, it is, it's a, a hard question, Bethany, but I am positive you're up to it. I mean, uh, I guess what I will say is that I, I want, I, I mean, I, I learned in my twenties, the importance of self-care, but I want most of my days to be days where I know I had some kind of an impact for the better mm-hmm. in somebody's life, you know, and, and ultimately that's one of the reasons I left research for medicine um, was that, you know, most days I leave the office and I can say, this person will feel better because I diagnosed and treated their problem, or this person will feel better just because I took the time to listen. Mm. Like this person feels mm-hmm. heard now. Um, and, you know, I work in, in more of an urban underserved area and that's not something that that, that population always gets. Mm-hmm. Um, and, And in medicine, it's not something we always guarantee, especially in times of COVID when we're masked and rushed and and, and all those things. So that's um, what I realized I would need if we equate passion with career, which I I don't think should be your entire passion, Mm -hmm. but that that's. Mm-hmm. Well, and as yeah. life continues on for you, I'm sure that 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 passion to help people, to care for people, mm-hmm. to listen to people, which I think is so important, um, I'm sure follows you around from from family to friend and, and you know, t- through music. And, you know, music is a great way to, to show people of caring and comfort. And so, you know, I'm buying it. I'm buying your, your passion <laughs> for sure. Um, it's a good one. It I is like a it. good one. And, and I'm so thrilled that you are such a courageous person who made sure that you were on the path to truly lead you to live that that passion um and i think your i think your clients and your patients are probably extremely um extremely lucky to have you as their pa so uh to hell with those who ask you when you're gonna get a medical degree i can't believe when are you gonna grow up i can't believe people what the oh my gosh i Mm -hmm. 
at least twice a week. It's wow. will you be a doctor someday? Mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like a. It sounds like to me, it's like a, a complete misunderstanding of how the whole mm-hmm. medical career thing looks, right? Like it's like that's the next step. It's like you have to do yeah. this thing. Well, yeah. I'm glad you're you, and I thank yeah. you for that, and uh, and for sharing your time with us today. Yes. So thank, thank you, thank you so much. Thanks for listening. I'm Shyla. And I'm Jasmine. And we're thriving in a small town. It's Kevin and Jasmine and drunk Shyla. It's time for coffee and booze. Clink.